Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. The 252nd edition of the Four Corners podcast starts right now. We win 54 to 53. North Carolina did it. North Carolina wins the championship. With 20 seconds left to play, goes back to Michael Jordan. Jumper from out on the left. Good. Fred Brown looking. Oh, way to worthy. Worthy five. The Tar Heels are going to win the national championship. Weber front court, Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout. Technical They're out foul. of timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul on Michigan. They're out of timeout. And the party is ready to begin on Franklin Street. Gets it back out to head. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champion pump fake for three too strong on the shot that's it the Tar Heels are the national daggum champion love guarded by Keels gets a screen pulls up for three got it Caleb from straight away this is the four corners podcast here are your hosts Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony, we're back with you guys once again today to talk about the exciting news that Elliot Cadu uh, has officially reclassified uh, the 2024 five-star prospect, will join Carolina basketball for the upcoming year in hopes of restoring and returning the program uh, back to among the the nation's elite. So we're here to talk about that decision, break it all down, walk through everything uh, regarding this decision and so much more. But we start every edition of the pod, as we always do with our pod thought of the day. And we go to legendary women's soccer coach Anson Dorrance. And his quote is, ordinary effort, is when you're comfortable that's mediocrity and i'm not gonna sit here and say that carolina uh effort and and stuff from last year was mediocre i think their mindset was and i think that's a big reason why they were a mediocre basketball team a 20 and 13 team that went from preseason number one to missing the ncaa tournament and you know, skipping out on an NIT bid. Um, and also from from head coach Hubert Davis. This was a guy that made it pretty adamant last year during a radio show. He wasn't very fond of having high school kids reclassified to, to join a college program. But when you, you have reset the roster the way that Carolina has this year, um, Kadu makes it now just a seventh newcomer. 
um, to 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 join the program for the upcoming year, you know, you you had to reevaluate. You had to adjust your expectations and your thoughts and, and your principles and stuff. And you know, I I kind of said this kind of once the rumor started heating up that I for one don't believe there are many kids that are good enough to forego their last year of high school to go play at the college level. Well, this kid is the rare, one of the rare exceptions that this, I mean, high schools around the country and even like AAU score circuits and stuff like that will be thankful. They don't got to watch this kid on the court because he was a man amongst boys and he dominated um, both from a score and a facilitator that, 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 that you rarely see. It's usually one or the other. It's either you got a, a great score or a great passer. He kind of fits the mold as, as as both. And, you know, this has kind of been something, Anthony, that for, I guess, what, almost two months now, there have been rumors about this going to happen. We were getting closer and closer to the deadline for such a decision to be made. And, and today that decision came came to fruition. And Elliot Cadu, who was already a Tar Heel, he'll just be a Tar Heel one year sooner. Yeah, and and I think it's it's like you said. We kind of knew this. We knew this in the Geico Nationals. When he had the performance that he did, in the one game where he scored 29 points and had 15 rebounds or 15 assists, I, I think we kind of all just knew uh, this guy. This this guy's the real deal. Like he, I mean he he was, I mean, he was outstanding there. Uh, watching him, that looked like a guy that was ready to play. At the college level. And that's the thing. When you reevaluate, when, when you're evaluating guys to reclassify, you, you really want to make sure that these guys are ready to go. And I mean, look, the thing is, is people probably had a little bit of hesitation if there, there were. I, I know a lot of fans were really excited about this possibility. But I, I mean, for you, I think part of the reason you were even a little bit hesitant to this was because of Will Shaver. thing with Will Shaver was Will Shaver was a three-star. Um, he really, ju- I mean, to this day, I got to be honest, I still don't know why he reclassified. I really don't. Like, I guess they thought he could he could come in early and they would be able to start putting the weight on him that they needed to, and it, it would help his development. That's not what this move is at all. This is a guy that's ready to contribute right away for you, and he's not your typical player coming out of the high school level. He is already 18, and he will be 19 by the time the season starts. And this is the other thing. When you talk about reclassifications moving forward that you're going to see a lot of, he he played at Link Academy this year. And these academies now, basically they're becoming places where guys can take a bridge year, where you can end up going in as a freshman to the college game, already 18 years old, or possibly even 19, like he will be. Um, And you talk about just the the amount of experience that he has just overall, not just at at, at Link Academy where he led them to the Geico National title uh, this past year. You're talking about a guy that right now on the EYBL circuit has been fantastic. 
Um, he, he's one of the most productive, if not the best player right now on that circuit uh, with the way that he's playing. Uh, he's highly regarded as one of the best point guards uh, in the country, regardless of class. There's a lot of people that believe he is the best in both classes. Um, and he's also got, you know, experience playing Grant, you know, granted, it's not in the actual Olympics, but still in the under 18 um, Olympics, you know, he, he has played for Team Sweden. He has helped them qualify um, a, a couple of times. So, I mean, yeah, he this dude is as experienced as it gets. I don't think that's something that you have to worry about. I think he's going to come in and make an immediate impact. And that's what you are looking for if you are trying to get guys to reclassify. Um, to me, this one, this one was always a no-brainer. Some of the other guys, um, like I know Ian Jackson's, he ended up, you know, pu- putting something up on Instagram after the move from Kadu. That one, I think we we had some questions about. Once we saw this kid play. On the on the national stage, and we saw him on national television. I think we all knew immediately this dude has what it takes to reclassify and be a really really good player. Yeah, and I, you know, he's the type of guy. As much as any guy joining the team this year, whether it's a freshman and and Simeon Wiltshire or Verzaden High or you know, a transfer and Harrison Ingram or whatever, as much as any other player, he transforms Carolina in, in, in so many different areas that like that. Their transition offense, and, and I'm not speaking out of hyperbole, mm. has been non-existent since the 2019 year when they went to the Sweet 16 with Kobe White. That was the last legitimate Carolina team that ran. Yep. Um, and that was a team that, for the most nights, could score 80, 85, 90 on their sleep. And, you know, Hubert Davis talked about this, and he got a lot of criticism because, you know, it's part of the fabric of Carolina basketball. He, he scrapped Carolina's secondary break. And this for first year, it, it, it worked. They got to the national title game. The second year, it didn't work. And, you know, it, it's it, it's a hard thing to see disappear that's been a part of what Carolina has done going back to when Coach Smith was here. But you didn't have – you didn't have – first off, if we're just being honest, you didn't have the basketball like you to run it. You didn't have the, the, the skill and the talent to run it. And you didn't have the roster to, to play that brand of basketball. Well, now you got it. Because you now got a guy that, like, that's his M.O., is he wants to get the ball and go and can do it, yes, with his with his dribble. But unlike Seth Trimble, he can do it via the pass. And that's what really makes everything deadly whenever you get that first advance pass up the wing or something like that. And then you you get into your trail guys and, and, and all that type of stuff. Don't want to get too inside basketball on here. But, you know, Carolina's transition offense is going to change, and it's going to change dramatically. Mm -hmm. They now have a roster that is more built, in my opinion, to run. As much as I want to run and as much as I scream at them to run, they haven't been built to do that. Now I look at the roster that 
was a little bit nimble in the front court. Uh, you know, a lot more backcourt players, a lot more, you know, getting wings and stuff like that. Carolina is probably going to play smaller, and that probably means that they're going to play faster. And then when you talk about his passing ability, and I'm not exaggerating, folks, he will show up on campus to be the best passer on the roster. That's something that Carolina has struggled with uh, mightily the last couple years. And we're just talking simple, basic entry passes into the post, where because they're not putting them on target, you're getting Baycott or whatever big you're trying to get the ball into out of his spot, out of position, making it you know that much harder to score. Uh, d- down in that area in the ACC, and he'll he'll be the type of guy that can you know make make cross cross court passes and passes out of double teams and move the ball inside out from side to side and and and, and all those different ways. And so, um, you know, you can probably tell that there's there's some excitement in my voice because I'm giddy about him. I, I love what he will show up and bring to this team overnight and there's just a level of aggression that exists with him and and I feel like he is going to be a breath of fresh air and I think he will kind of be the first signal or the first symbol of what Hubert Davis wants in his guards like Caleb Love and RJ Davis were holdovers from Roy Williams and yeah he coached those two guys really great to a national championship game appearance they're not his guys could do is his is 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 is, a, is one of his guys, and he's the first look of what I think Carolina basketball will look like under Hubert Davis moving forward. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I, somewhat. This this dude, this dude is special. Like you don't see a lot of guards like this in the modern era of basketball. Guys that like Elliot Cadu is the type of player we saw it in one of his games at the Geico Nationals, where he wasn't scoring the basketball well. It was pretty obvious early on. Um, Got himself in a little bit of foul trouble. He has the ability to just get out of the way. Like, this dude, he, he knows that, look, I don't have to force the issue and look for my shot if it's not going down. I can I can be that guy that just sits back and shares the basketball at a high level and lets everybody else do the work. That that was his that was his whole first game at the Geico Nationals. That that was pretty much what it was. He did not score the ball well at all in that game, but the way that he was moving the basketball was unbelievable. And the thing is is it's every time that you watch him, it's the same thing. You're wondering, okay, well, you know, he had a nice stretch there, but is is there eventually a point where the ball is going to stick? It it never does. I mean, it's un it is unreal. And yes, it's the the transition is the thing that where you know it will probably stand out the most because you're right. Carolina hasn't run since 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 Kobe White was there, and even that like it, it was it was one year. So as quick as it was there with Kobe White, it was gone because Kobe White was just that damn good that he was already in the NBA. So it really feels like since Cole Anthony got on campus, and again, it's not Cole Anthony's fault that he wasn't a guy that could move the basketball up and down the floor, that could share the basketball at a high level. That that wasn't 
That wasn't what you brought Cole Anthony in to do. You knew that when he arrived there, or even when you were recruiting him, that that was not the guy that you were getting. That that just wasn't his game. Kadu is a guy that, I mean, he's old school, man. The, 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 The way that he, I mean, his court vision is unbelievable in the open space. Because here's the thing. R.J. Davis, he, he can push He can push the pace. We've seen him do it. The, the thing that I wonder about sometimes with R.J., you'll notice it a lot when he gets out on the fast break, is that his head goes down. He's just looking to be as aggressive as he can and take it to the basket, which isn't, you know, isn't the worst thing in the world to do as a guard. Getting downhill is, is never a bad idea. But he just doesn't see things the way that Kadu is. I mean, Kadu sees every pass out there. And when, when you talk about how well he passes the ball, I mean, precision passer. Like some of the passes that he makes, there are not many other guys that are going to make that. Now, I will say this. One thing that you have to expect, and I noticed it watching him a few times, you know, when, when he's been on television, there are times where it is really hit or miss. He will turn the ball over at times. That's the one thing that Carolina, when he arrives, they need to focus on and try to get you know a, a little bit more under control. Make it you know get get him a little more consistent with taking care of the basketball. But I mean, I got to be honest. I, I if that's something that comes along with the aggression, and that's just part of it. I think we could all live with that because, yeah, he might turn the ball over, but then the next three or four possessions, he's going to make some unreal passes that are going to completely change the game. And we've talked about the transition. It's the half court too, man. Like this guy can see just about everything. The way that he's able to find his teammates, the way that he is able to basically force ball movement out of his teammates. Carolina hasn't had that. We talked so many times this past year, really these past few years with Caleb Love there. I, I don't I didn't feel like we talked about it as much with Cole Anthony, but it, I, I mean, there are times where this offense is just stagnant as anything. The ball gets stuck, it doesn't move at all. I mean, there's possessions where you would come across half court. The guy that brought the ball across half court would not pass it a single time. Or if they did, they would only pass it on it would only stay on one side of the court. It wouldn't switch sides of the court. I don't see that happening that often with Kadu. And that should be a breath of fresh air for heel fans to finally have that back in the fold in Chapel Hill. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think it's I think it's safe to say that that everyone's kind of excited. We kind of been waiting for this thing to to kind of be made official. Um, I know Hubert Davis has been. I mean, Carolina uh, still has two two scholarships available that they, they can address. Whether it's with another reclassify with. You know, Jared Stevenson, who's on his official visit. Ian Jackson kind of did something on Instagram today, maybe hitting at it. Another transfer or whatever, um, because the the roster will be coming together here officially, you know, in in the coming weeks. Um, and, and I think one of the things that you got to talk about, and I and I've seen not just really Carolina fans. I, I've I've seen Brendan Marks talk about this and other people that, that follow 
the the spore pretty well. A lot of people think he's going to show up and and he's going to start right away. And you know, I, I don't know how to feel about that. I, I you know, because like I, the guy that hosts my radio show says, you know, you don't allow him to reclassify to put him on the bench, and it's like, no. But I also don't want it to be, you know, like Cormac Ryan and Paxton Wojcik, guys that have done it at this level. They they came here for a reason too. Look, I'm not against him starting if he wins the job or or something like that. Are you of the opinion that once he arrives on campus, he's just penciled in as a starter in the backcourt? Because I think something we got to keep in mind in the back of our head is, you know, we, we we put a lot of angst towards Caleb Love for the way last year went. And when Brendan Marks kind of took us inside the locker room from a year that went that went sideways from the jump, there was some blame to go towards the ego of R.J. Davis as well as a guy that wanted to be known as a facilitator, as a ball handler, as a point guard. Well, if Kadu's starting, he's not going to be that. He's going to be playing off the ball. And and, and so I, I feel like it's one of those situations where I think Kadu will start at some point in the year, maybe end of December, start of ACC play, something like that. But a lot of people, fans, media, stuff like that, think that he'll show up and be a starter right away when the season tips off. In November, where do you stand on Kadu the starter uh, heading into the 2023-24 year? I, I mean, uh, I I don't I don't think it's automatic. I don't I like. I just I don't think he's a guy that you can just say, "Hey, we're handing him the job because you brought back R.J. Davis." And look. We don't know how much went into it on the back end. We we really don't know. But if I had to imagine, you would think that there was a push from the staff to try to get him back. I I, I just and we know yeah you're that's the thing that that scares me the most is that we saw we we saw that in that article from Brennan Marks about him being angry about not being the primary ball handler. I just, if, if he came back and he gets basically pushed off ball yet again, I, 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 I do wonder how he responds. Now, part of that is, do we really care how, how well he responds? Do we really care about that? Because you need to do what's ultimately best for your team and Elliot could do could be what's best for your team, but that was you talked about what the biggest issues were for that Toriel team a year ago. I I think just the overall mindset, attitude, cohesion of the locker room, it just wasn't there, and you don't want to risk that again this year. Um, now my thing is is like for for RJ Davis if you can't look at Elliot Cadu and say to yourself, "Man, this is this kid is special." If I got to play at the two guard, I, sh- I I I will gladly accept that. I don't really know what to tell you. But I I, I think it's going to be tough for me to see him immediately coming in 
and being the starter because one of the things that I like the most about the situation that he walks into is he doesn't have to be that guy. Like one of the big issues that Carolina ran into, I think, with Cole Anthony and Caleb Love was that those guys came in, they were forced to immediately be starters, and and, and look, they had the talent to be as well, but they were also guys that were pointed to and said, look, these are – that these this is these two are the guys that are going to control their respective teams. If they succeed, then the team will succeed. If not, then that the team's going to struggle. And with Kadu, it doesn't it doesn't feel like that. It feels like there's more pieces around him. It feels like you know he could come in and even just take his time. Where if he's not ready to start just yet, he's not ready to start. You play him off the bench. And I think he could be an electric player off the bench. And the other thing, again, it, it, we've talked about this multiple times when it's come to how you start guys, how you distribute minutes. You don't have to start him to play him a lot. Like, if you don't feel like he's ready to start early in the season, do you feel like he's a guy that serves a better purpose for you coming off the bench and being a little bit of a fire starter when your offense is sticking a little bit? Then bring him off the bench. Let him generate some offense from, from that role. I think he can be very successful in that role for Carolina. So to me, they they got to be open to a lot of different scenarios here, especially with you know the type of system that they probably will ultimately run this year because if he's going to start that means rj is going to be your two guard and you're playing cormac ryan at the three you're you're going you're going incredibly small so i think you know there's a lot of work to be done by huber davis and the staff to to figure out what fits best but to me it's 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 got to be about what is best for elliot could do don't force him into a role that he's not ready for just yet. You don't need to do that this year with the pieces that you've already got in place. Yeah, no, that's kind of that's kind of where I, I kind of fall into line here. Is that like if he if he comes off the bench, like first off, like you know, we were talking about this when we were on with La, the Locked On Tar Heels podcast with our good friend Isaac Shade, like. Hubert Davis has like legitimate depth this year, and you're putting him on, you know, with with Seth Trimble and some of those dudes. Like Carolina could have a dangerous second second unit. You know, we talked about when Demarco Dunn transferred that like it was kind of hard to see him leave because there was a role to be carved out on the bench. And so if he comes in there as a super sub and stuff like that, and he makes an impact off the bench and he's playing in meaningful minutes, you know, or playing at at the most important part of the games. I don't think you know he's going to be upset, and I don't think I don't think Carolina fans should be upset. And also, like if he earns the right to start, and and Carolina's best five is him with the ball in his hands, not R.J. Davis. Like Hubert's got to be able to tell him and have that honest conversation and tell him like this is what's best for the team. And and, and I want to be able in my to believe deep down in my heart because R.J. is my favorite player on this team that RJ came back to make amends for what went wrong last year when he when he and part of the team as a whole failed. I mean, you started preseason number one. You, 
you know, had the the meet the the graphic uh, recreating a, an iconic image of a Sports Illustrated cover from the 1982 national championship year. Like you did all this stuff to 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 miss the tournament, skip the NIT, and all that. I feel like RJ came back with Armando to to restore Carolina basketball where it's supposed to be and stuff like that. And so if 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 we get to that part and. You know, it's it's evident that Kadu needs to run the offense and RJ plays off the ball. I'd love to believe that it's not going to be a problem like it was last year with him and Caleb Love because it, if it's for the greater good, which is winning basketball games. And, you know, hopefully we can put aside our selfish feelings. But the good news is, is that, you know, we still got four or five months before we can even really start talking about that stuff. The last thing we'll talk about is something that we'll talk about, you know, that we only have a few weeks left to really decide is how does this impact the rest of the roster build? Because, you know, you're we're about 29 hours away from the deadline to withdraw your name from the NBA draft. And depending on some of the names that come out of that, Carolina could get back in the portal to add another piece. There's been the rumors of Jaron Stevenson, who's on campus right now. Um, You got Ian Jackson as well. When you look at the way Carolina fills out their roster, do you think it's with another reclass and a transfer? Maybe it's one or the other, or maybe Carolina goes a little bit lighter and they just give out two scholarships to walk-ons. How do you see the rest of the rest of this roster coming together for Hubert Davis ahead of next year? Well, let me let let me ease any concerns. Um, I don't see any way that the final uh, situation that you laid out there actually happens. There's no way that they will give both of those scholarships to walk-ons. I I just I just don't see that. Somebody else will reclass, whether it's Stevenson or Ian Jackson. Um, but I think at this point, right, we, we we feel we feel pretty comfortable. Jared Stevenson just started his official visit to campus today. I would be absolutely stunned if Jaron Stevenson does not commit to the Tar Heels. Maybe not, you know, this week. But very shortly thereafter, um, with him taking this official visit, uh, I would I would say it's probably going to be him. I would think that's the guy that probably ultimately ends up reclassifying. And then I, I think they will go back into the transfer portal. There, there's a couple of different options, as you said. Um, I, I think there is a chance that a name could pull out of the NBA draft that Carolina really likes. We've seen some names that have been floated out there. Kobe Brown, um, who who played at at Missouri last year, their leading scorer. Trey Alexander, really talented uh, wing player from Brayton. That's another one that I think a lot of people think has a, has a chance to pull out eventually. Um, but yeah, we're, we're, we're kind of getting towards that deadline. The other option is, is that grad transfers, they can still enter the portal. So guys that have already completed their degrees that will be just coming in for one year, uh, they can still enter at this time. So that's another area where Carolina's got to keep an eye on and the market right now. And another guy that we've talked about 
Carolina hasn't shown any interest yet, but you wonder if we get through this, the the deadline to withdraw from the NBA draft, and one of the guys that Carolina seemed interested in does not pop back up. You really wonder if a guy like Arthur Kaluma, the transfer forward from Creighton as well, if he's not a guy that Carolina takes a hard look at. Doesn't really seem like there has been anybody that's emerged as a clear favorite in that race right now. Um, Carolina, you know, it would still have an opportunity there. Uh, so I, I think that's that's something that Carolina has to do. To me, that's the perfect balance is you bring in another reclass, a guy like Stevenson, who I think, you know, if, you, if you're going to want to bring him in, you probably need him to reclass with the class that you have coming in in 2024. Um, and then you team that with somebody from the transfer portal, another veteran, preferably that could play uh, that four spot as a stretch four, um, but also you could still use some help at, at that three spot on the wing uh, if that's where you want to go as well. Yeah, I'm – I'm of the belief that you're going to get a reclassify. It kind of feels almost inevitable, whether it's Stevenson, Ian Jackson, or whoever. And look, if if Kaluma pulls out of the draft, that's a guy that I him and Kobe Brown. Oh no, Alex no. Alexander Kaluma's not in the draft. Kaluma is just in the portal. By by, that's it. That's right. So you know, like if you go after one of those dudes, if if Kobe Brown um, pulls out and, be, and is and is on the market and stuff like oh, that, oh man, it's a guy that I watched uh, very closely a lot last year while his time at Missouri. One of your uh, favorite players in college basketball a year yeah, ago. Yeah, there's there's a good chance that it, I I might just do the podcast, um, and there might be some clothing that's missed. Uh, and I might declare that Carolina's going to go to the national championship, Final Four, stuff like that. Well, you know, the last time that you claimed that, it didn't backfire on you. So go yeah, ahead. Yeah, so, you <laughs> know, but I, I want to see Carolina still remain aggressive. <laughs> you know, and look, if they end up going the route where they go to reclassify and they don't find a guy in the portal and they give a, 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 a walk on a scholarship, no one's going to sit here and complain. That should be your last resort. Like, that should mm-hmm. be if you go after some of these other dudes and you miss on them. Um, because this is a big year for Hubert Davis, and he needs to treat it as such, and he needs to give himself the best chance to be successful because we're no longer in the business of firing Hubert Davis. You know, we were in the business of doing that. We have since moved on from that. Um, and we want Hubert Davis to be here for the next 15 to 20 years as Carolina's head basketball coach. And, you know, I know it sounds like a broken record, but the last guy to miss the tournament back-to-back years, he didn't show back up, and we see him every Wednesday at our job. I don't want to see Hubert Davis at my job for another 15 to 20 years on a weekly basis when he's coming in to do a radio hit. So it's going to be interesting to see. I I, I love the way the roster is coming together. This is the best roster I think he's had since he became Carolina's head coach from a talent standpoint, from a depth standpoint. And I feel like he's got a roster that's ready to compete and win and play at a high level. One quick note, we're not going to spend too much time on it. Uh, but Caleb Love has found his new home. He committed to Arizona earlier today. Makes a lot of sense. The connection to Steve Robinson out there on Tommy Lloyd's bench. 
Um, made, made, made a lot of sense for him to go there. Arizona was quickly in on him once he decommitted from Michigan and re-entered the portal. And he will actually come back to the Tar Heel State. He will play in Cameron Indoor Stadium. A rare home, uh, a rare home out of conference game for Duke against a Power Five opponent. That game will take place, I believe, it's in December. Uh, but Caleb Love did find his new home. He'll be in Arizona Wildcat, and we wish him the best of luck moving forward. Well, with that, guys. It is going to wrap up this edition of the show, but before we let you go, we do encourage you guys to head over to the website. That's HeelToughBlog.com, where we got you covered everything from Elliot Cadu's reclassifying, what happens with Jared Stevenson, Ian Jackson, transfer portal stuff, and the like. Uh, on the basketball side of things, as for football, recruiting stuff, and stuff like that is, uh, is on the site as well. And before you know it, we will be getting you ready for the football season as – we're just about two months away from when they do report to camp. So find all that great football, basketball coverage. That's HeelToughBlog.com. As for the podcast, you know where to find us by now. Every major podcasting platform. Just simply search the Four Corners Podcast and we will pop up. We're there. We do encourage you guys to rate, review, and subscribe. That way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the remainder of the basketball offseason. Well, with that, guys, this is going to wrap up this edition of the show. I want to thank Anthony once again for hosting with me. We want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. Guys, it just doesn't get any sweeter than that. <laughs>